I was baking that when I go to a party or a gathering, I will bring something. And normally, I will bring desserts. So they started me, you know. And then from there, I started to create my own recipes as well, which I think is really wonderful. And, and I shared with friends and everyone starts, you know, trying it and start ordering from me. Hello and welcome to My Signature Dish, episode 8. I'm Ollie Horn. It's a pleasure to have you back after a brief hiatus. This is the podcast where I speak to talented home cooks, find out all about their story and what goes into their signature dish. This episode is another remote recorded episode where I spoke to Dill all the way in Brunei. He tells his story about how he went from the son of a famous cook on TV uh, to a varied career which then ended up in him going to Australia, getting inspired by their coffee culture and bringing third wave coffee to Brunei. But we don't just speak about coffee, we also speak about what goes into his scrumptious sounding cheesecake, which I hope in the coming months I'm going to get a chance to try. So uh, please sit back, relax and and enjoy this discussion with Dill. She started uh, teaching uh, cooking or baking for wife of government officers. And from there, she got uh, invited to do her own television show, which will uh, last for more than 10 years. And the program's called Mari, Mari Mama Sak or Let's Cook. The show was uh, sold to television station in Malaysia and Singapore. And uh, and and I I didn't appear on her show, but I I did play a bit of uh, background towards her program because uh, I was doing my levels at that time. I had a three months break, and I was helping her with typing recipes, food tasting, driving her to studio, and 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 helping her, you know, uh, making the program. When that I, must have been so I much do- fun. Yeah, and when I look back, I realized I had those kind of, you know, exposure to food at a young age. And what kind of things was she cooking on her show? Uh, you know, dish. I mean, mostly Asian dishes. You know, uh, it could be noodles, rice, could be a rendang. You know, uh, chicken rendang. Uh, it could be uh, cakes. Uh, cakes are very popular, especially with with with, with the with the ladies. Uh, uh, and it's something that uh, during the, the old days, uh, but layered cake and uh, cake lapis in that sense, yeah. So, oh, she, so was she, very, was, very, she was a baker she, as well then? Yes. She had her own restaurant, she had her own uh, food industries at that time, yeah. And what was it like as a, a, as a young boy uh, heading to a TV studio and seeing your mum appear on the TV, publishing cookbooks? Excited, very excited. And uh, and I we also helped her to produce her her two recipe books. She did two uh, recipe one on 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 main dishes, and the other one will be uh, were cakes and puddings. Yeah. And obviously, uh, you now have have dived deep uh, into the world of cakes, and I'm really excited to talk to you about that. But I think mm-hmm. your interest yes. in cakes started from uh, you you travelling. Uh, to, to Australia, I understand. You, you, you got into Australia's coffee culture, is that right? That's right. I, was, uh, I, I did my master's uh, at the Australian National University in, in Canberra. And one of the things that came in my mind was, uh, I want to come, come back to Brunei, not only with a master's certificate, but I want to pick up skills. One of the skills that I decided to pick up was coffee. 
I enrolled in a Sydney Coffee School, which is quite a, a renowned school in Peach Street in Sydney. And uh, I wanted to learn uh, what makes a good brew. And from there, I think the rest was history because I, I become more inquisitive to know about, you know, how to select good beans, uh, roasting levels, uh, about altitude, uh, how coffee process, the difference in terms of your brewing and the effect of you drinking it. Uh, so that really opened up a, a different world for me and I really enjoyed it. And then the other thing that I pick up, uh, I think coffee and cake goes very well. And and I like the way that how coffee, uh, food uh, cakes are presented in Australian cafes. They're very rustic, nothing fancy, but when you eat it, it's really delightful. And uh, they've used natural ingredients like uh, instead of coloring, they use strawberries, red, give a color of beetroot. Or they use uh, real uh, food flavorings like chocolate, nuts, uh, coffee. So that's, from there, I, I pick up a lot of uh, that kind of uh, rustic flavors to, to come up with my own recipes. So Australia has a fantastic coffee culture, doesn't it? I, I really enjoy going to the cafes uh, when I spend some time in Australia. Does Brunei have anything like that, or did it have anything like that at the time? Uh, well, we had a lot of uh, franchise uh, coffee chain, uh, but uh, the last uh, five three years, things are, are different. We have independent uh, cafes coming up. I mean, what you call it independent called specialty cafes, you know, uh, specialty coffee. Third wave. Third wave, yeah, and uh, and people start, you know, uh, nobody heard about, you know, hand pour over brewing until uh, the last two three years, and and so when you went to Australia as a master student, did you know about this? Could you have at the time? Did you know the difference between a French press and a cold brew, or, or is this something no. which you learned to appreciate? No, no at the time, no. no, I just know uh, uh, how to make a latte, <laughs> an espresso, <laughs> right. and uh, and. From that, I use that as uh, as a learning curve. I've traveled a lot in the region, and everywhere I go, I'll go to a cafe and start talking to the barista. And uh, I pick up, uh, as I said, small businesses because then you find the barista will spend more time with you rather than go into a bigger chain because everybody will sure. be busy. And, and what questions do you ask a barista? Uh, what's your favorite barista, bean? I should say. Uh, what's, what, what's your favorite beans? What's uh, I mean, you know, uh, what's your favorite way of brewing? Uh, what is your uh, res- uh, brewing recipe, for instance, on especially on filter brewing as well, or even espresso? And from there, you start to learn, and and it's so wonderful because they become to uh, share their love for coffee and so their passion with you, and you know, you you feel on that because you feel it uh, to yourself. Like you just there's this connection level with them. Which I, I I don't you know I don't find it somewhere else in the sense and I I enjoyed that and some of the people so, I met they become my friends now. So there's lots of things that goes into a cup of coffee, right? In, in order Definitely. to get, I I I drink just uh, just kind of like a black <laughs> americana, right? So I, right. I'm quite simple yeah. when it comes. Yes. But nevertheless, it's it's the choice of bean, it's how that bean's roasted, it's how finely it's been ground, it's what temperature the water is at, etc. etc. Uh, exactly. What, 
to, to somebody that um, is maybe less persuaded uh, that there's huge variance to be had uh, in terms of who makes your coffee and where you buy your coffee from. Okay. Which of, which of those levers, right, whether it's the quality of the bean or the type of roasting or the way that the coffee is poured, mm. whether it's through a filter or whatever it is, which of these do you think is the most important to understand from somebody who's uh, looking to, to find their perfect cup of coffee? Okay. For me, it will be altitude of the coffee plantation. I tell you why. Oh, wow. Because, so we're going right back to the source then. Yeah, altitude. Because uh, I mean, to understand a good cup of coffee, you need to understand about uh, coffee production. And before it goes into cup, it's uh, coffee processors as well and brewing. So I go to the source of that altitude. The higher the coffee plantation, the sweeter the coffee. I'm, I'm very more into fruity notes, you know, like Ethiopia, cherry, you know, plum, dark chocolate, you know. Uh, you go to Colombia, you can get caramel, nutty. You go to Costa Rica, you have an apple and a fig or a grape kind of notes. So, so that's the thing that really excites me. Uh, and to, still today, I still go for finding that, you know, perfect cup of brew. And, uh, and I don't think the journey ever ends because I, I keep enjoying and, and discovering new things uh, wherever I go. So and you're I, saying that the most important thing is the quality of the bean and where that where that coffee yes. bean has been grown yes altitude i, I my personal favorite have to be african and latin american beans and why is that uh because they are fruity and syrupy syrupy means, means like uh for instance I, i'll give an example uh ethiopia yager chefe uh, from the guji regions it has the kind of black currant like a ribena so when you do a hand pour over you know filter brewing it's just like having a ribena juice in your hand without the sticky you know sweetness you know just something yeah. clean cup smooth crispy and that black current just you know seeping down the throat and just wonderful and makes you smile and you know and give you the kind of wing you know, what a wonderful day and so suppose that you've got a really good bean from one of these regions yeah because um, I, I think some people think that these third wave coffee shops try a bit too hard in that they have all of this equipment that looks like a science lab <laughs> and they they give you a choice of five different ways to yep. to, to get uh, the, that hot water passing through that that coffee um, does all of this stuff matter in your opinion personal choice i have to say it's personal choice uh i like kalita wave which is a little round you know sunflower shaped paper or yep. if you like the v60 the vertical conicon uh, conical cone shape, you know, uh, it's all personal choice. I mean, some people say, oh, I'm just too lazy. I want to hand, do hand press or, or French press in that sense, or you know, it's fine. Or, or a mocha pot that you put on the stove, you know, uh, I think it's all a personal choice. And But all these different coffee uh, way of extraction give up different elements or, you know, uh, different final products. I like, uh, I like the, you know, the hand pour over because it gives you a clean cup. You're not going to find any of the coffee ground inside your drink. Are these kind of subtle differences between the coffee extraction methods noticeable, even if you're using that coffee, for example, to create a latte or a, a flat white or something? Or, or, or can you only really notice these differences if you're drinking straight black coffee with, with no sugar, and no milk, creamer, syrup, yes. whatever? Yes. Uh, I think, uh, well... Uh, it depends on the roasting as well. I mean, lighter roast is good for uh, a filter. Uh, maybe a medium roast would be nicer for espresso as well. 
but uh, sometimes I just got the the unconventional way. I just even use a light roast to to brew a, a latte. Uh, maybe the notes are not as profound, but uh, you still can feel it, you know. But uh, you have to look at uh, the kind of beans as well that you brew because when it touches with milk, a dark chocolate kind of note will become a milk chocolate, you know, and it will be interesting. Uh, but all this will give you a different variables or dimension that uh, you look forward to brew that cup of coffee because you want to have a different experience and every single cup. And where are the most local beans to Brunei that you use? Because of you know intentional trade on internet trading, we can buy green beans in the market in, in the open market. We have local roasters they buy Ethiopia, Brazil, do their own blends here. I have. Uh, micro uh, micro roasters friends as well, which I work very closely and help them promote their business. Uh, I just had a, a cup of uh, beans from Colombia, Medellin, from Pablo Escobar Estate, and it's really wonderful. And I couldn't imagine drinking it here, you know. Uh, but uh, thanks to intentional trade, yeah. So you mentioned that cake is a perfect complement to coffee, and you discovered this while you were in Australia. I completely agree. Uh, I, I can't think of a better way of eating cake than with a cup of coffee, and I also can't think of a better way of drinking coffee than with cake. Does Brunei have a big cake culture? My impression of the country, and I've never been, is seems like it's a bit hot to enjoy like sweet treats. It's the kind of thing that no. you'd want, you'd want like ice cream or something, no? Yeah, you know the the recent craze in the last six months were donuts. Oh, really? <laughs> the, the same donuts that you had ate bread ahead. In Borough, London Borough Market, the one those with toppings and you know what have you and you know, I mean uh, it sounds very sweet as well. But uh, but uh, well, Brunei likes love cakes because uh, cakes are served at weddings, cakes are served at functions, uh, in of Ramadan festivities. A big thing on cakes. Uh, this is where I come in. I during Ramadan I will be uh, during uh, in of Ramadan festivities. I've, I was very busy uh, last month just baking and uh, the most uh, sought after was my bass burn cheesecake, which I started baking last month. Um, I don't know why, but uh, because I've created a business made, making fresh homemade cakes. So basically my customer will say, I have a function to attend and can you do deal? Can you come up with a, uh, with, with a, a cheesecake? I'll pick up my way back from work. And... And they presented it to their function dinner and done with it. But uh, so, so let, let's talk about how you got into cakes. Then is is it the fact that your mum was making cakes on TV that then you learned via osmosis how to make a good cake? Yes, yes. Uh, but uh, I have to confess, I'm a soft soft thought baker. I've never been to I've never been to, I've never been to baking school. Uh, I pick up a lot of you know through from my mom led recipes uh, and also uh, through my siblings and and through watching, you know, Nigella and Gordon Ramsay, you know, on food shows, uh, food channels and uh, uh, the British Back Off, you know, those kind of things. That really inspires me. And I find that, you know, every Tom, Dick and Harry can bake and, and why can't I? So what cakes are the best cakes to enjoy with coffee? It has to be uh, butter cake. But then if you have only a butter cake, it will not be so interesting. So I bring in my own flavors like uh, local tropical fruits uh, uh, or maybe a little bit of coconut milk and uh, a bit of, 
uh, coconut sugar. So and and so those are the things that are, or even simple brownies. Uh, so those are the things that uh, uh, I, I I I because when you have a good cup of coffee and you can have a little brownie or chocolate chip cookies, I think that's really wonderful. Did you always want to go into food? I don't know. I, that's quite an interesting question, you know, Liam. But uh, I look back and I, I thought uh, my mom was my source of inspiration. And, and I look and, uh, and I said, why didn't I think of this earlier? I mean, I was really exposed to it at, at a young age. And I think, I think this is my calling. And I really enjoyed it. And I have, I have very positive feedback from my customers. And how did you start this journey? Was it kind of straight after doing your masters you started uh, baking cakes and selling them? Uh, a few years ago, I started to go. You know, uh, I was a few years ago. I can go, go to a party or, or I mean, I was gathering. I will bring something, uh, and normally I will bring dessert. So they started me. You know, and then from there I started to create my own recipes as well, which I think is really wonderful. And and I shared with friends, and everyone starts. You know trying it and start ordering from me and till today as someone that now takes both coffee and cakes very seriously is there anything that i should be thinking about when choosing which cake to eat with my coffee is there any is there any kind of pairing in the same way that you'd pair uh, a meat with a wine or a, 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 yes. a cheese with um, a port? i i personally will go for like if i have like a chocolate cake i will go for a either a milk base uh, like a latte or if you have a do uh, like a black a filter coffee. You have something with a uh, fruity notes, like an Ethiopian, you know, uh, Ethiopian coffee beans. And uh, if you are eating uh, like a uh, 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 cake with uh, fruit base, I mean, I would go for something with a chocolatey kind of notes or a nutty, so it will balance it quite well. Has cold brew made it to Brunei yet? I'm selling it. And I've made it quite popular. Okay, so tell me about that. Because <laughs> uh, five years ago, no one had heard of cold brew. Now it's yes, everywhere. Yes. Um, I, at first, when people, you know, when follow my Instagram and start, when I start describing about, like, coffee notes, everybody just laugh. Is this for real? Like, you know, this fruity black currant. And I said, it is. And, and, and. And I think 90% of coffee consumers around the world thinks coffee should be black, bitter, and you know dark. But uh, you peel off that layer, you'll find a different world of coffee that you can enjoy. You know, something sweet, fruity, and without even consuming the sugar, and, and maybe just sugar from the beans. And I enjoy it uh, because I'm into fitness as well. I mean, I do CrossFit, and uh, I do like a, a bit of pre-workout. And the caffeine kick really, you know, gives me to kick the barbell on whatever workout I'm doing. And I and, and because of that, I started to brew, you know, cold brew and sharing with friends. And people starting to, you know, people starting, uh, trying wanting to try it. And their first impressions, one is different because I think the the choice of, uh, I, I've developed a very good knowledge about a selection of coffee beans around the world. And I, this is all more of my, from my personal experience. And, and some of my customers come back to me and say, look, uh, the, the, normally I would have something, you know, dark and, you know, uh, something bitter, but your coffee is different. And I did explain to them why. And I would explain to them, I would explain my Instagram post about altitude, how coffee processes are all different. And, 
especially for filter wash or a natural dry will bring up the bright acidity as well you know and somebody said look i'm you know it's too acidic and you, you can add you know either soy milk or, or oats milk or just plain milk if you, you like it as well but it will be a giving a new different dimension as well but uh cobra is very popular i just attended another pop-up with from another coffee vendor called Tam coffee and I found, you know, this is a local Bruneian bringing coffee at a different level, coffee science. He infused uh, his uh, cold brew with coconut water. And I loved it. I loved yeah, it. Yeah, I can imagine that's really nice. Uh, coconut water is really refreshing. The sugar is natural. And coconut water is high in electrolyte, which is very good for your body, especially if you're thirsty or you're dehydrated, especially in this hot weather. And I told him I, I simply loved it. And I, I thought it really, you know, I, it's really one. This is kind of thing that excites me as well. I mean, working with young startup entrepreneurs and helping them, you know, get exposed in the market as well. Why does cold brew taste different? Uh, well, put it simple earlier. You either love or hate it, and some people don't. Oh, I like it. Good. I really like it. You know, I always go think, for it now. It, it tastes like a cough, cough syrup, and I, I disagree. And uh, and what I like about uh, cold brew is uh, it's a different coffee science. I said and. And when you, you know, when you drink it, it's very refreshing, especially, you know, I, I bake a lot and sometimes I get, you know, I mean, sort of run of energy. I just grab a bottle of my cold brew and drink it, you know. The same thing with so, brewing. What, what is the science? What, why is cold uh, brew so different tasting? Uh, one is the roasting is light. Uh, it's not uh, like, uh, it's what they call it, we call in, in coffee, uh, science called the first crack, the first seven minutes, you know, this, uh, you get the the first crack of of the roast that's just where you know the light roast and when the sugar is still there so when you brew it you get the notes from the sugars of the coffee bean if you roast it to a, a dark roast which is that bitter you're not gonna you're gonna have the sugars anymore it's all dry and my understanding of cold brew well, I guess I understand it from the neighbors. It yeah. never touches hot water. It's not like it's hot co- hot coffee that then is turned cold. It's always cold, right? Uh, well, the, uh, the entire making process yeah. is that is that even right? Uh, well, there are different level, different ways of doing it as well. I mean, you can do a you know a, like a filter with hot water and and let it cool down and and bottle it and and drink it cold, or you can have it ice like a Japanese. Uh, ice pour over as well so you have like maybe a 50 gram of ice cube and you can pour like a 200 gram of water and uh, and have the same kind of uh, ice feel uh, a cold feel towards the coffee that you're drinking what coffee do you always go for if you're just going to a coffee shop in order to judge whether it's a good coffee shop filter brewing filter bar i loved it i I had my my I started with you know enjoying uh, latte and cappuccino. You know? I've moved to espresso. I love espresso, especially for good beans, and I could even drink it you know two three cups a day. Uh, but uh, my personal coffee journey is I want to enjoy coffee in different variations, espresso, uh, flat white, or even filter brewing. But if I really go to a, a specialty or uh, or, or quite a good, uh, you know, a coffee shop. I'll go for a filter brewing, and I really want to taste uh, what they can offer. And what cake do you normally have with it? Coffee cake. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, anything without cream. It could be like a 
a simple you know a butter cake or even a, uh, you know uh, something with uh, like a uh, like a vitreous sponge just keep it simple so let's talk about your baking then because my understanding is that that baking the cakes uh, and and selling them was kind of part of this journey right you started off by getting obsessed with coffee uh, you started your coffee shop, you've always been baking, and then all of a sudden you thought, well, I ought to start selling these cakes to my customers too. Yes. What cakes did you start with? What What were your What were your first attempts at baking cakes? Were these your mother's cakes? Were these the same cakes that, that, that were in your mother's cookbook? No, well, I, I've, I've, I've used a, a butter cake recipe and turned it into something that uh, I use a, a local uh, fruit, uh, chumpada. Uh, this is uh, basically like a, like a jackfruit. Uh, it's seasonal, but uh, I think it comes quite uh, frequent during the year. I I like the taste of uh, you know in, in in this part of the world or in in the tropics normally we do fritters, but I don't like fritters okay. because because fritters is too oily. But uh, the butter and the I found that when you bake the champada, it comes more caramel, so it comes sweeter when you bake it. Are, are there any uh, types of cakes which which I could enjoy in Brunei that I couldn't enjoy here in the UK because we don't have access to those kind of fruits or those kind of flowers? Uh, oh, for Brunei, the most popular is tapakuda, which is like a horse hoof. It's uh, like a like a roll, like a Swiss roll, but the filling is Nutella. Oh wow, that sounds really nice. Yeah, and you can eat it, you know non-stop and realizing you consume a lot but it's very popular in every house at the end of ramadan festivities every day will be served and i mean i i don't make it because there are other vendors doing it so i like to have my own niche but these are very popular as well what's the most popular cake in your shop at the moment uh chambadak cake and uh the other one is uh currently is uh the best burn cheesecake Oh, a nice, a burnt cheesecake. So yeah. what does that mean? It's in a, a very, very high temperature oven? Yeah, you bake it in a high temperature, but uh, I think the sugar turns into caramel. So it's it most like a, a cheesecake, and when you cool it down, it becomes like a flan as well. It's very light, and there's hardly any flour in it, which is making it different from the New York cheesecake. I was going to say, this is, sounds more like a Japanese style than a New York style. Uh, the Japanese style is more with a butter bath. There's no water bath in this one. Right, okay. Uh, okay, the Japanese is called the Japanese cotton cheesecake, which is very light and fluffy as well. And yeah. uh, for the Japanese, you have to separate the egg white and uh, uh, yellow. So, so, sorry, I'm uh, talking from a baking perspective here. Uh, but, no, it's uh, great. In, yeah, and uh, in in the best burnt cheesecake, you just, lot of cheese, cream, and and eggs and sugar and there's no base like a crust like uh like a oh interesting no no yeah. like no biscuit base no biscuit base nothing and it's it comes very light and fluffy and very moist and I, a lot of my customers said like i is out of the world kind of you know experience i, I don't know but uh, but it's, it's their feedback and i i'm i'm so happy with with the response that i have i have uh I bake six cheesecakes a day now, six to eight. Wow. And f- forgive me if this is an ignorant question, but 
many of the Southeast Asian countries I visited, and particularly when I, when you go into the homes of people, it's quite rare to have an oven, right? The vast majority of cooking of home cooking happens on a hob. So, is it is it quite common for people to eat out and and buy buy their cakes from people like you because they don't have an oven in their own home? I think uh, well, time and uh, time is their sense, I guess. Uh, we are a lot of working mothers as well, but we are also a lot of entrepreneurs as well, like myself. So basically, we complement that. I mean, we need them to buy our product products as well. But uh, in in I think in Brunei and everywhere around the world, I mean, if people really like your style of baking and you know, and people will come to you and repeatedly as well. I have I have loyal customers who keep coming back, and I've like the chimpanda cake that's been gone to UK. <laughs> on many occasions oh, and, and on, on a wedding as well and uh, and I have like friends who's been away for a while and said, such messaging me said, Dil, can I have a chipotle cake this weekend and you know, I, I miss your chipotle cake and so and then I'll I'll definitely source out I, I don't normally keep a lot of frozen uh, produce I try to source as, as quickly as I can uh, this mean uh, whatever I buy from the market today I will turn it into a cake but I like it fresh and and the quality, uh, what you get out, is quite much better than. Have you ever had a failed experiment where you've gone to the market and seen something and you thought, "Oh, that'd be really interesting. I'll try and put that in a cake," but then the end result was rubbish. Uh, not that I, <laughs> not that I am trying to recall, but I, I, I can't. But uh, this is one thing that I, I, I learned about baking. Uh, tip that you have to be in a good mood to bake. Because if you're really not in a good mood, it'll turn out in your product. So I <laughs> um, know, why do you yes, think that? I, I think it's not a, it's not an urban legend or it's not an old wife tale. But I normally have good, very good music, uh, or you know, listen to you know really love songs and really make you in a good mood. And I have that in my kitchen, and I have nice things that I enjoy. I I have my coffee machine on. I either do a filter or then a flat white and. I make sure that it's, you know, whenever I'm baking, I have that. So I'm really, really in a good mood when I bake. I'm guessing your signature dish is likely to be a cake? Yes, definitely. What's your signature dish? Uh, the chipotle cake, as I described. Uh, basically, it's a, it's a butter cake, and which I've improvised using local uh, uh, jackfruit. The jackfruit is, uh, you have to deseed it uh, from uh, uh, from the fruit and and pop it in a in a blender to make into a like a like a mushy paste and just mix it with a, with the batter and when before I bake it I put almond flakes on top and the almond the idea of almond flakes is I like to have a crunch and a nutty feel to the cake and it's right really, so really... let's un- let's unpack all of these different stages so using jackfruit in a cake is really interesting i think i've only ever had jackfruit once in my life it's not very common uh, in this part of the world for yes. someone that doesn't uh, know what a jackfruit is could you just describe what it looks like it's a weird looking fruit isn't it yes weird looking fruit uh, but very nice smell and uh, it doesn't have a durian smell it doesn't have a durian taste like a like a like right a so that's taste. the point it's yeah. it, firstly it's yeah. massive isn't it it's like bigger yeah, than your head massive. Yep. <laughs> uh, and and it's got like a bumpy kind of outside, normally kind of green, like a a light like lime green outside with a load of b- bumps on it. Yes. And then you cut, then you carve it open, and you normally take an axe to it, and then inside is a load of 
kind of like almost pulpy. Yeah, little pockets of pods of uh, of uh, jackfruit, and you have to. It's quite uh, sticky. Uh, what do you call it? Um, it's not. Uh, it's quite a uh, little bit of gum, so you have to use glove to remove it. And and when you peel off uh, from the seed, it's really beautiful and very sweet. And yeah, how, how do we describe the taste of jackfruit? Sweet caramel. And so, what what are you doing in order to to make it such that you can use this in a cake? Do you have to pulverize uh, it? Yeah, food processor it. Yeah, sort of making it a mush. And do you add anything to it? Do you pre-cook it before you put it in the no, the cake? No, no. Keep it uh, keep it uh, fresh. I mean, keep it you know uh, natural. And I do my batter first, my cake batter, and then I just add, add it towards the end and mix it and put it in the tea. And are you using this kind of instead of using sugar in the cake? Because presumably it's getting a lot of sweetness. Uh, I have put a little bit of sugar else, uh, because you need sugar to emulsify your cake, or else your cake going to become hard. Right. Okay. Yeah, so, so let's let's just talk there. about the the base of the cake then. So, you say it's a it's a basic butter cake. What's that? Uh, butter, eggs, flour. Um, I don't know so, whether I should so, I, I should uh, give my secret, uh, but I use a little bit of milk because milk. Yes, your, you should yeah. tell us your secret. This is exactly uh, the point of this podcast. Is, no, <laughs> thank you, Oli. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> one of the difference, but I mean, a lot of cake recipe they don't use milk. I use milk. Uh, I use milk because milk moistens the cake and make it light and fluffy. Okay, so uh, you've got butter, eggs, milk, and flour. So far, yeah. so normal. And then uh, your sugar, yeah, yeah, a little bit of sugar. And so sugar, yeah. You need you need sugar to emulsify. Also, your cake will yeah. be a, like a rock bun. And then you you're, you're mixing this together in a yes food processor. Uh, uh, ca- a, a mixer, uh, sorry, a cake mixer, cake mixer, and then to that you're adding this kind of pulverized. Jackfruit? Uh, yeah, just uh, just sort of uh, lightly mix it. I mean, you don't want to be over mixing it because uh, it'll just tangle in the you know in the mixer. But you uh, have to making sure that you know it's covered in. So when you bake it, it'll come quite uh, like fibrous. When you cut it, it doesn't come sort of solidly clean, you know. But it's nice. It you just like pull, like uh, it goes quite tangy as well. It's quite nice when you eat it. Interesting. So the so the yeah. texture doesn't look like like a sponge cake with lots of little holes. Yes. No. It it comes. Uh, it quite come quite nicely baked. But when you cut it, it comes. You know, because of the 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 chamfered out of the jackfruit, it's sort of you know intertwined into you know the whole cake. So you have to pull it. So it's quite nice. Interesting. And you mentioned that you put almonds on just before you bake it. Almond flakes, because I I uh, I I like something with a crunch. Any of my bakes, you know. And uh, I, I play with the kind of texture as well because ours will just kind of come quite, uh, you know, a sort of uh, sweet caramel. But but the almond brings a little bit of nutty in it as well and a crunch. And do you put any kind of chocolate or any other kind of sweetness no. or dried no. fruit on the top? No? No. I, I like it to be simple and natural. I will be too much... Uh, con- uh, convulsion in your head and you know what's this and you know <laughs> yeah keep it basic yeah. 
That was Dill. I had such a great time talking to him. It's nice to speak to someone that doesn't take something like a cup of coffee for granted. And really, you can tell if you were to go into his coffee shop quite how much care and attention would go into each one of those cups of coffee and each one of those slices of cake. There's a good chance that I'm going to be in Brunei uh, in a couple of months and I can't wait to go and visit his shop. So if you enjoyed this episode, then please do stick around. There'll be another episode this time next week. And if you'd like to subscribe, then you can do so wherever you're listening to this podcast by hitting that subscribe button. If you'd like to get in touch with the podcast, then you can. Please just contact us at podcast at pona.app. That's podcast at pona, P-O-N-A dot app. I'll see you next week.